You know, I just love it when my wife's friends ask me for free gynecology advice. It's fantastic. It's great. That's what I live for. A little sarcasm added there. Now, wait a minute. I know what you're saying. We're not supposed to treat friends or family as our own patients because we don't have objectivity. And that's absolutely right. However, if a friend or family member just asks for advice that they can then follow or bring to their own physician, that's totally ethical because that's our job, right? Not only are we clinicians, but we're also supposed to be healthcare advocates. So it's okay to give our opinion as long as it's evidence-based. Well, here's what she brought to me. She's 45 years old. Her fertility is no longer an issue because her partner, her husband's had a vasectomy, but she's having this recalcitrant, just heavy ongoing bleeding, and she's at wit's end. She's tried medications. She's tried Mirena. She's tried Listida, and the ablation just didn't really appeal to her, so her physician opted for a laparoscopic hysterectomy. That seems to be fine. But here's the catch. Because she was 45, her gynecologist also offered her prophylactic bilateral oophorectomy, removal of the ovaries. Now, bear in mind, she's at average risk for breast and ovarian cancer, and as far as she knows, does not have any BRCA history, and wanted to know if removal of her ovaries at 45 was a good idea. And that's where I sprang up and ran into action because I told her, I'm so glad that you called because removal of your ovaries, if you're otherwise low risk at the age of 45, is actually a disastrous idea. And so I'm not sure where that recommendation came from by that provider, but it is not evidence-based. So ovaries in or ovaries out. Let's talk about it in this session. the baseline lifetime risk for the general population for the development of ovarian cancer is about 1 in 70. And ovarian cancer, of course, is a terrible and terrifying illness. However, elective removal of the ovaries at a young age, specifically at less than age 50, can actually be harmful for overall survival. Now, historically, and I was taught this as well, that if a woman is undergoing hysterectomy, even for a benign disease, starting at the age of 45 and above, then it was recommended to remove the tubes and the ovaries to prevent the need for further surgery or the development of ovarian cancer. But is this really still evidence-based? Now, the data that we're talking about here is out of a systematic review that's actually one of the best that I've seen out of two friends. This is Marissa Edelman and Howard Sharp. Now, this is back as an expert review in the Gray Journal from 2018, and the data still stands. Because what we're going to get into here is that there's actually an overall survival benefit. We're talking about, remember, in the average low-risk woman to keeping the ovaries in until the age of 65. And that also is something that ACOG states in their bulletin. But we're going to cover a lot of data here. But the take-home clinical pearl is that just because a woman is 45 or 50 or even 55, if she's overall low risk without overt ovarian pathology, we should probably be leaving those ovaries in. Even though the trend is decreasing, overall, oophorectomy at the time of hysterectomy still occurs at about a rate of 40 to 50% in the U.S. And this is, remember, in the general population that don't have any ovarian pathology. And that number is just too high. Now, historically, hormone therapy has been used to mitigate the effects of estrogen deficiency after oophorectomy. 
However, because hormone therapy compliance is just overall really poor after the first 6 to 12 months, it's that concern that hormone therapy has poor compliance that probably increases the overall morbidity and possibly even mortality. Now, here's the other issue. Thinking that the ovaries are just quiescent, they're just done after menopause, is an outdated philosophy. So let's say that again. The postmenopausal ovary is still active primarily in the releasing of their source of androgens. And this, again, is even in older women. Because these androgens still play a crucial role for her overall well-being. And we'll discuss that in just a minute. But the postmenopausal ovary is not quiescent. It is not residual. It is still biochemically active and provides precursors for estrogen metabolism. This is particularly relevant to bone health, cardiovascular health, sexual functioning, and even cognitive functioning. And we'll review that in this podcast. So again, don't think that the ovary, just because they're postmenopausal, is just absolutely quiescent. It's not. It is still biologically active, primarily in their source of androgens. Okay, let's stop here to reiterate that clinical pearl. While natural menopause does not seem to affect serum androgen levels, oophorectomy results in significantly lower levels of total and free testosterone that can affect her overall quality of life. All right, now let's talk about all-cause mortality. In other words, all of the possible health-related reasons that can lead to a mortality in postmenopausal years. Because remember, the idea was that doing prophylactic oophorectomy would reduce the risk of death from ovarian cancer. And that's absolutely true. Obviously, if you remove the tubes and the ovaries, the risk of ovarian cancer is greatly reduced. However, that may be offset by the overall increase in overall mortality. All right, so let's drop here another clinical pearl because if you're taking your OBGYN board, so this is sure to come up on your gynecological case list talking about hysterectomies for benign disease. Or if you're a medical student, you may be asked this at time of laparoscopic hysterectomy, whether oophorectomy is beneficial or overall harmful on overall mortality. The vast majority of the literature supports a deleterious effect of oophorectomy on overall mortality, particularly when performed at age less than 50. Estrogen therapy appears to mitigate the increase in overall mortality that's associated with oophorectomy, but at no age was a survival benefit seen. So that's a huge clinical pearl. Once again, at no age at which oophorectomy was performed was an overall survival benefit shown. Based on Markov modeling, which is risk assessment tools and statistical analysis, ovarian conservation even may confer a long-term survival benefit up until the age of 65. So once again, if somebody asks you, when's the best time to remove benign ovaries if you have to? And the answer is not until the age of 65. Now, I think we need to clarify something here. Let's not lose focus of what we're talking about. We're talking the routine sacrificial removal of ovaries at time of benign hysterectomy in women that have morphologically normal ovaries and do not have an increased risk of breast or ovarian cancer. That does not mean that if you have a patient, let's say, who's 55 years of age or 56 and has a persistent complex adnexal slash ovarian mass, that that doesn't need to be removed. That needs to be removed because in that case, that's not prophylactic. That's now therapeutic to ensure that that mass is not of low malignant potential or frank malignancy. 
Now remember, we should do a frank assessment in pre-op workup to make sure that we're not getting into a cancer as much as possible with biomarker screening, with things like OVA1 or the other algorithms and the other tools that we have. But those are just tests. They're not foolproof. So we should do our due diligence to make sure as benign OBGYN physicians that we're not getting into a patient's abdomen that is seated with cancer. So we still require some workup. But if the patient has an ovarian mass or an ovarian structure that looks abnormal, this is not what we're talking about, right? That needs to come out. This podcast is dealing with just the routine removal of the ovary just because we're taking out the uterus at the same time. And here's another clarification. If you are doing a hysterectomy for benign disease, all data definitely supports the removal of tubes for sure. So if she's getting a laparoscopic, vaginal, abdominal, whatever the approach is, hysterectomy, those tubes should come out. Because remember, of course, there's plenty of evidence and well-established that epithelial high-grade ovarian cancer actually begins in the fallopian tubes. All right, now we're just going to cover the rapid-fire impact of prophylactic oophorectomy before the age of 65 and definitely before the age of 50. But I want to knock out two issues here right now because one of the concerns is, wait a minute, I thought we should remove the ovary so that we can reduce the risk of future ovarian surgery, and that's totally valid. However, if you actually take a look at the data and how many women develop ovarian pathology in those who have had benign hysterectomy, you find something interesting. And if you actually interpret the numbers, it's actually somewhat clinically insignificant. So according to that systematic review by Edelman and Sharp, quote, the evidence does not support the routine removal of ovaries solely for the purpose of avoiding future surgery, end quote. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market messages in clinical pearls about prophylactic oophorectomy at time of benign hist. There's a deleterious effect of oophorectomy on overall mortality, particularly when completed at age less than 50. Now, while hormone therapy may mitigate the increased mortality with oophorectomy, at no age does there appear to be a survival benefit. Actually, there is a long-term survival benefit leaving the ovaries in until the age of 65 or leaving them in indefinitely as long as there's no pathology. There is a significantly lower rate of ovarian cancer observed after oophorectomy at all ages and a decreased risk of breast cancer when oophorectomy is completed before the age of 50. However, this benefit actually may be off-weighed by the increase in overall mortality in these patients. Now, here's a clinical pearl about cardiovascular health. The existing data do not universally implicate BSO in coronary heart disease, but there are no data that support a beneficial effect of oophorectomy on cardiovascular health. In aggregate, ovarian preservation is associated with an overall benefit to cardiovascular health and stability. And this also affects global cognitive decline. 
global cognitive decline, dementia, and Alzheimer's disease may have a risk that correlates to estrogen deficiency. Surgical menopause appears to confer a risk that is not observed with postmenopausal oophrectomy and natural menopause. BSO at the time of hysterectomy also confers a deleterious effect on sexual functioning. Hormone therapy mitigates physical signs of genital urinary atrophy, but not necessarily key components of sexual functioning like desire, orgasm, or satisfaction. BSO at any age confers a higher risk of hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Estrogen deficiency following natural or surgical menopause is associated with BMD loss and increased fracture risk. Hormone therapy can halt bone density loss, but the effect is limited to the duration of use and significant losses can be observed within two years of discontinuation of therapy. So, in the absence of a genetic susceptibility mutation, tubal ligation, salpingectomy, and even hysterectomy itself can provide ovarian cancer risk reduction to women of average risk without the untoward effects of olfrectomy and without the need of hormone therapy. Well, there you have it. So remember, leave those ovaries in at time of benign hist up to the age of 65, but take those tubes out. And remember, this applies to the general average risk population. So thanks for being a part of Clinical Pearls. And remember, medicine moves fast. So keep following us for any updates to this. But as of now, those ovaries should stay in. Have a great holiday season, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.